Hey, deserving listeners. I have talked about pedophilia before, people who are attracted to children sexually. And I have, you know, uh, it's not my area, and so I don't know that much about it. And so I thought that I would have someone on the show who actually knows more about it. Kate Stewart, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. You were... Uh, uh, you've been on the podcast a, a few times, and the first time was a long time ago in which you gave dating advice. Yes. Yes, I have many specialties, you could say. Yeah, because you're a therapist in Seattle. Yes. And you, at the time, also provided essentially dating coaching. Yeah, I think the first time I was on your show, I, I might have been talking about the flirting class that I was teaching. Yeah. Um, and I taught that class at the experimental college for six or seven years until the experimental college dissolved. How to flirt well. Yes. Yeah. And you also have been on the podcast to talk about open relationships. You, yes. You published a book, I yes, believe. Yes, the open relationship handbook. Handbook. Mm -hmm. And... Since then, you have opened a group practice. Yes. Modern Therapy, I believe it's called. Modern Therapy Seattle. Yeah. And it is on Eastlake. It's on Eastlake, yeah. And you have uh, people that have been on this podcast as your therapists, uh, <laughs> Christy and Jessamy, to, to oh, be wow. specific. I didn't realize they'd been on the podcast yeah. before. Yeah. And they are uh, star graduates from our program at Antioch and are really enjoying the the sex positive uh, nature of your um, age, you know, your group practice. Glad to hear it. And they they are enjoying working with adults and couples who are interested in sex positive, sex forward therapy. I haven't heard it described as sex forward, but I like that term. You know, it just came out of my mouth, <laughs> and I thought, is this coming from memory, or did I? Am I just making this up? You're just a trailblazer. I like it. You know, fashion forward, <laughs> sex forward. <laughs> Um, it makes sense. Yeah. So uh, so you emailed me a while back and were like, hey, you know, let's talk. And I said, yeah, let's talk. And now you're here. So let's talk. And you have uh, some good information, I, from what I can tell, about uh, people who are uh, have the condition where they feel attracted to children. Yes. And they also want to refrain from doing anything because yes. they understand that it's it's harmful. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about that. Well, this uh, population has, I, I think, existed for a very long time, as yeah. you can imagine. Um, but they have become more um, kind of collected and more united as the internet has developed. And there are several websites, um, groups, I think there's Reddit groups, um, where they are, they get together and kind of connect with each other. And um, you are totally right on the definition. It is um, people who identify as being uh, basically pedophiles, being uh, minor attracted, um, but are committed to not offending. Great. And they support each other yes. and I'm guessing provide uh, sort of hints about how to navigate the world, both with their compulsion or their attraction and the society at large being not so nice to them and, yeah. and that sort of thing. So what have you learned in, in what you've looked into? You have a big article there that uh, has gone into it. So uh, what what have you learned as you've looked into it? Well, it, it's 
been a very interesting experience studying this because um, this group is um, big and and widespread, and it definitely has caught a lot of attention in different places. There are people really studying this and working with it in Canada, Germany, really all over the world. Um, and I have learned a variety of different things. Uh, there, I guess, I mean, there's there's a lot of need. For this, for support of this population, because as you can imagine, there is so much internalized shame and this feeling of, I literally cannot tell anyone this thing about myself, even if I am committed to not acting on this, and I will do anything possible, I can't tell anyone anything about this, there's a lot of internalized, like, hate, self hatred, there's so much um, negativity to this internally and externally. Um, The, I think what has been really interesting about this is I've actually received a lot of um, positive feedback from, and this is kind of not necessarily about the population, but when I've talked about working with this population to doctors, other therapists, um, all kinds of different people, I've received a lot of support. Mm -hmm. So I would have thought that there immediately you say the word pedophile or you say um, minor attracted and everyone would shut down and say, that's terrible. Don't talk to them. But I've actually found that people in at least Seattle are more receptive to supporting this group than I would have thought. And it is really in the best interest of, of children because the more support we offer them the less likely they are to offend exactly and that's that's the main point is you take a group of people you isolate them you make them feel as though society hates them and rejects them and isn't there for them and then they slowly isolate from friends and family as well right and then what more do you have left in life to to give you reason to um try to to, to not do it. And two, what about all the, you know, when, when we have clients come to us and they're saying, I really want to smoke cigarettes because I'm trying to quit, you know, can you help me? You know, we don't say, get away from me, you scumbag. We're like, okay, let's talk about right. it. You right. know, because there's skills, there's different things we can do, you know, let's do it. How many people would react similarly if someone who's attracted to children sexually were to come to them and say, I'm attracted to children. Can you please help me with this? Oh, right. You know, it's it's such a taboo and, and immediately you're seen as someone, you know, if you, if you came forward and if someone came forward and said, I'm attracted, I'm a pedophile, I'm attracted to children. I, I, I am sexually only attracted to five-year-old children. The immediate assumption is you've offended already several people you are a, a monster psych- you're a psychopath yeah. you have no empathy for people how could you possibly you know want to do that that's there's and something sick about you i want to say something to that it, it, interestingly in the research you are more likely to show um sociopathic or psychopathic um behavior and pathology if you are not a pedophile so not all pedophiles uh, sexually abused children and not all people who have sexually abused children are pedophiles right and the ones who um are not do not qualify as pedophiles are more likely to have really access not access to we're not using that terminology anymore but uh personality disordered um antisocial personality disorder psychopathic tendencies right so that's really interesting is um if we can help support the people who are looking for help it, it i mean it's really helps everybody everyone benefits from that right and that's something that i'm reminded that i talked about in a previous podcast if i remember correctly in terms of delineating between different types of people who have had sex with children 
some people, the only thing different about them is that they just, for whatever reason, be it developmental or some other reason, are just sex, sex, only sexually attracted to children. Whereas you have another group of people who have an underlying personality disorder of psychopathy, antisocial, and they and or sadism and actually enjoy having other people suffer and at part so so they would enjoy making people suffer in in any way or in mm-hmm. several different ways one of the ways is well you find a child who doesn't want to have sex with you obviously and and right. you proceed to uh, make them have sex with you or something and that gives you pleasure because you're seeing another person suffer. And it's I think some of it's about there's a control aspect to it. And then um, for some people, and it may not be this exact group that we're talking about right now, it's have they been abused when they were younger? And right. are they just repeating that pattern? Right. And both groups could have been abused sexually as right. children. You know, you could be abused as a child and not be psychopathic, meaning that you have empathy for other people. You know, you have compassion, you have... Um, you care about the suffering of others the way anybody does, and yet you, for whatever reason, your sexual wiring is such that you just are very attracted to children. And then you have another group of people who might have also been sexually abused as children, and they develop psychopathy or antisocial in which right. they don't have compassion for other humans and maybe even have a deep desire to control and to make other people suffer. And so these are, right. and there could be overlap between the two, obviously. Um, and so that's, that's an important distinction to make. So, so right. we're, we're only talking about the, the people who have a uh, – they still have compassion. I mean I suppose even the people, the antisocial people, if they eventually discover that mm, if I have sex with kids and I, and I have that uh, – and I have that pleasure of harming other people in that way, I'm much more likely to end up in jail. So maybe I need someone to help me not do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not even empathy. It's like looking out for their own best interests right. in a way. Which is the way you try to help antisocial people is you try to connect it to their own self-interest, right. which, if I remember right, is like one of the only ways you can really leverage things, you know, because they, right. they don't care on the inside. It's not like they, yeah. you know, they don't really care about other people's feelings. And so... I want to say something really quick to back up when you were talking about the two different groups. When we are looking at um, groups that are uh, minor attracted and pedophiles and they are not the ones who are psychopaths, it actually – there is a lot of evidence that it is biological and there are – they're born that way. Right. And there is – interestingly, there are some findings. One is um, they are three times as likely to be left-handed, and there is a low – generally found to be a lower IQ. Um, and the higher the IQ of the population, the less likely they are to offend against children. So, so there are some things that are different, and I don't know if we can really draw a lot of um, findings from that as far as what that actually means. But there are – differences that have been found that are statistically relevant. Right. And so that's why there is talk in the clinical world and in the lay person world that it's a sexual orientation, Mm -hmm. that in the same way that we now consider people who are gay or bisexual to basically been born that way, they, you know, they weren't necessarily you might say no one is born with a sexual orientation uh, it, or the 
the way I guess people would say is you're born with the precursors to a sexual orientation that will later later emerge. You know, right. and when you talk to a lot of gay people, they will say, "Yeah, I remember when I was seven. I remember thinking there was something different about me. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't know it was gay, but I just knew." That I didn't react the way that other right. kids did. A lot of transgender people are the same way, too. Like, right. something's different about me. I don't know what it is. Right. And so there's a through line. It's not like suddenly they make a choice or something. You know, it seems like early on there there were. Now, we have no way of proving that with modern science because, right. we, you know, we don't understand the brain. And maybe we'll discover something later on. Who knows? But the point is, is that there seems to be some evidence that uh, biology is related. And, and therefore, mm-hmm. we, uh, we can't simply label people who are minor attracted as uh, something that uh, happened to them as, you know, that, they're, that they've strayed off the course of biology or something. You know what I mean? Or that they have some control over it. I mean, I think it's right. helpful to look at it as something that, has, that is part of the biology. Totally. I mean, that seems fairly obvious to me. It's like, how in the world would someone make a choice to do that, right? Unless they're psychopathic True. and they just yeah. enjoy sadistic right. behavior. Uh, you know, aside from those people, it's like, why would you want this life you know, know. upon you? Well, I think um, one thing that's interesting to go back to what you were saying about this being a sexual orientation is some of the research really is about is it do we look at this as a sexual orientation or do we look at it as a, a mental diagnosis, actually? And and if we're categorizing this as a mental illness, then there is um, protections under the, the American with Disabilities Act. Mm. Um, and that can be helpful in some ways in, in protecting these folks. So I think there are both of those things are true. Like it is helpful to, to view this as a sexual orientation because it doesn't seem to be something that uh, like conversion therapy doesn't work for that. Uh, Like conversion therapy doesn't work for people who are gay. So it's, it is, um, it does have a lot in common, but um, one of the things I was reading is we don't have necessarily a very clear definition of sexual orientation that everyone agrees upon. So it is based on that. It is, you know, kind of in that same pile of, if we think about sexual orientation, the erotic age orientation is like another spectrum of sexual orientation. Right. And from emails in the past that people have sent me about this, the, uh, the debate or the, the internet discourse is that when some people say that being a pedophile or, you know, being attracted to children is a sexual orientation, it triggers some people because they think that, it's legitimizing it or somehow making it okay for people who are attracted to children to engage in trying to have sex with children and actually having sex with children and abusing children. And uh, that is not what uh, we would be in support of. There's certainly, there's certainly, there are people who actually are like that. And I've actually seen, um, I don't know if they've emailed me or whatever, but I remember seeing some people saying, like, look, it's a sexual orientation, and therefore, you know, and, and some kids want it. They all say, you know, they, they have all these excuses, Man. you know. And, I, you know, I've seen some 11-year-olds who certainly seem like they're trying to turn me on. Like, they'll Ooh. they'll they'll say stuff like that. And oh, so, my goodness. And so they'll say the it's just a sexual orientation thing. But then you have this whole other group of people that are saying, look, it's a sexual orientation. It's still wrong, and it's harmful to kids. And so... But I, I want to label it as a sexual orientation because I want to uh, have people understand that 
this isn't a choice. You know, this right. isn't this isn't a choice for me. It's something that's just inherent in my biology. The same way that people who want to have sex with adults, it, it's they it, can be celibate too if they choose. Right. Yeah. And you didn't make a choice to be attracted to adults, right? right? It's not like you woke up and said, I choose to be only attracted to adults. It, you, that's just the way it feels natural to you. Well, to us, this is how it feels natural to us. And therefore, according to your definition of a sexual orientation, you know, the, the, which is the common definition that's, that's often used, it's just like your, your natural attraction uh, right. uh, impulses. Uh, however, you know, I guess you define that more specifically, but anyway, you know, that's what they're claiming. And so, so I think that if on the internet, when people talk about this, they need to say it in its full description. You can't, right, you, right. I, people can't just say, well, pedophilia is a sexual orientation. I think you have to say, Ped- I, when I say pedophilia is a sexual orientation, I'm saying these things. I'm saying it's still wrong to have, to expose it's children. A, it's a status, not a behavior. Right. Yeah. Right. It's 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 a, and uh, I'm just saying this is how my impulses are, um, which is separate from my choices to actually act on those impulses. Right. And that's I think in our practice um, when we have been talking about working with this population and drawing up all the paperwork for it, the thing that the the big kind of banner is our first goal is to prevent um, abuses against children. And there are other goals that are secondary to that, like helping people have improved self-esteem or improved relationships. But everyone who comes to see us has to agree that this is this behavior is not acceptable and um, will be reported if we know it's happening. Um, but the orientation of this, the status of being minor attracted is not in itself a reportable offense. Interesting. So I didn't, maybe you already told me this, but I didn't realize that's why you wanted to talk about it because you actually want modern therapy yeah, in Seattle. This is part of what we're doing. To actually, have you started doing that work? Um, we have been um, reaching out. I have been doing most of it, reaching out to different populations, different people, trying to kind of um, connect with the, the folks that would um, refer to that population. And interestingly, when I have talked to uh, this, I reached out to the certified sex offender treatment providers. And um, and what they had said was they really thought that there essentially we weren't going to get people who had not offended and were determined to not offend. We were going to get people who either had offended or were not telling us they had offended. And which it, it's interesting. There are definitely lots of people out there who are dedicated to not offending. But when you go to the people who work with the folks who have offended, they have you know a certain kind of lens because that's all they have seen. So it's definitely been interesting to kind of talk to these different populations. So I have put the work out to kind of try to um, let folks know that we, that we are working with that population. Well, what would be wrong with seeing someone who had offended and is trying to not offend? Like, is it seen as like you're you're letting him off the hook or something? I don't no, know. actually. So basically, if someone has offended, there is a lot of there's kind of stuff that happens in the legal system as far as them seeing uh, seeing therapy um, for that offense. And um, it's not necessarily just for minor attractive people or people who have offended against children. It's for sex offenders who have worked with, um, you know, any age of people. And um, really, there's nothing inherently wrong with us um, working with people who have offended. But if they have offended, they kind of have to go through the legal uh, channels first. Okay. Interesting. So there's regulations in Washington State around treating 
sexual offenders. Is that what you're saying? There's a whole licensing process uh, for that, a okay. separate license for people to work with sex offenders. And you don't want to get involved in that. Well, it's not that I wouldn't get involved with that, but I'm not currently licensed to work with sex offenders. So there's a, there's all of the training they do and I continuing see. education. Um, and so I had to, when I was setting up this part of my practice, I had to kind of set a clear line where if someone comes in and then three, six eight, nine, whatever months later says, I want to tell you I actually did offend, then I have to say, okay, we're going to have to transition you to someone who is a certified sex offender treatment provider. Right. So the certified people are saying to you, well, you know, they're going to come to you, but, and and they probably have offended and they're just going to say they didn't so that you can get out of the licensing requirements or the certification requirements and be able to treat these people. So it's like, it's this loophole that that they think you're going to um you're going to use essentially to to take their business in a sense, right? Well, it's interesting to hear you say that because there's actually a lot of business in that field and I don't think there's I don't think there's a, a risk of anyone running out. Okay. Um it's what I've heard there's definitely a lot of folks going through that process of who have offended and are, are needing um treatment in that way. But I think um, it's the thing that's interesting is because um, the actual because sex offenders do have to go through treatment, they they are they don't have the luxury of staying at home and and um, not seeking treatment in the same way. It's not a luxury. Let's let me think about how I want to say this. So people who are minor attracted don't have to go to therapy because they haven't already offended, if that makes sense. Or haven't been caught if they have offended. So they often might not want to go to therapy because they, a lot of times, um, there is confusion about what the mandatory reporting laws actually require. And they don't, of course, require us to report someone who is minor attracted. Um, and they don't want, they're just terrified of what if someone finds out somehow? What if someone breaks confidentiality or right. something like that? Totally. Yeah. And so that's interesting. So you don't, if they have kids and they come to you and say, and you know, they live with their kids and they come to you and say, I'm minor attracted, you're not mandated to report that. No. Interesting. The, I, would yeah. all CPS workers agree with that? Um, the the laws are, if you look at it, it is, and, and I don't, I can't specifically answer that question, but yeah. when I've talked at lengthy hours of time I've spent talking to my lawyer about this, um, there are very specific things you're supposed to report. And that is if someone says, I have a, I have abused a minor or I am going, I think it's... I, I'm I think at risk of I'm abusing. At, well, I don't think even I'm at risk. Of a, imminently at risk of doing something to right. someone that I, you know, is in my house or something. And, um, I, and also you have to kind of know who that person to be able to say they are right. Or if they have someone in the home, if they have children in the home, then that you wouldn't necessarily have to know who the person is that they offended against if they have children in the home. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. A couple of distinctions I I just want to get off the, the, my mind is that a lot of people think that pedophiles are also murderers because that's often the, you know, it's in the news, right? You hear about, someone kidnapping a kid, having sex with a kid, and killing the kid, right? It's just, it's a very high-profile case, and so there's this... It's what news is about. There's often a, 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 um, a you know, what do you say, conflagrate, con- confounding of of murder and pedophilia, which, of course, people who are minor attracted and have never offended wouldn't want that association. Correct. Um, the other thing that I have gotten 
in trouble with with listeners before is that when we say pedophilia, a lot of people associate that with, and I've made this mistake, with actually having offended. You know, like you say, if, yeah. I, if someone says, I'm a pedophile, or that person's a pedophile, some people conflate that with having offended, you know, meaning that they have had sex with children or have mm-hmm. tried to or something. It's not very clear. I'll tell you that. I've, I've definitely found that to be true. Right. Whereas what people are trying to do now with the, with the word is separate those out. There's, right. They're saying that I'm a pedophile, which doesn't mean that I have actually done anything about it in the past. And, mm-hmm. and we're trying to separate those things out. There's people and, you know, and like you said, there's people who have offended, but they're not pedophiles. They're not actually attracted to children. Right. You know what I mean? So, so anyway. Interesting. So you want to be able to treat people in the region or or anywhere? Well, at the moment, based on um, therapy laws in the state, I can only work with people in the state. So okay. I can work in person with whoever can get into the office, and I can also work uh, via uh, tele- teletherapy or online platforms, work with people in the state of Washington. So people who are minor attracted and have not offended um, and want help to uh, to start the process of of exploring that and and uh, getting help and support because I because I'm just get is that is that what you're doing? Well, I actually would I would imagine what would happen um, because I work with a sex positive population who already a lot of the folks I see have a, a kink identity or um, there's a fetish or something that is very uh, important to their identity. So like someone who isn't interested in BDSM, for example, and they may be very very interested in that lifestyle or that identity, but oftentimes by the time they come in to see me, they just kind of have to put that out there and say, okay, I'm a dominant or I'm a submissive or um, I'm interested in this particular lifestyle. And I say, okay, sure. What do we need to talk about that? What, how does that relate to your life? How is that important? And then once we get that conversation out of the way, oftentimes it's, let's talk about the rest of your life. How are your relationships? How's your self-esteem? Right. So it would be possibly similar to that in that once we have established this is what's going on, we would I would need to make sure I was continually checking in with that risk of, do you feel like you might offend? Where are you at with with that? But a lot of the conversation may be, how do we help you feel better? How do we help you have more better self-esteem? So there would be definitely part of it that would be focused on that, but it's not necessarily you have this issue, come in here and talk to me about that issue. It may be, right. we'll spend some time talking about that issue, as much time as we need to, but we'll also talk about what else is happening in your life. Just regular therapy yeah. stuff. Right, because the idea goes that people who are minor attracted won't go to any therapist, even if what they really want to talk about is their relationships or their self-esteem or their job or the meaning of life or whatever, because they're worried that it's going to sneak out that they are minor attracted and and then they're going to be locked up or their therapist is going to reject them or something. And so you're saying, look, you know, Come to us, and and we'll we're willing to talk about whatever you want to talk about, and we're not going to. And here's exactly um, what our responsibility is, and our responsibility is to confidentiality, unless we hear about these certain things, and and we're open to talking about this. Um, but I'm also guessing that once you make it known that you want to do that, that some people would come to you and say, actually. I'm 100% wanting therapy to help me stop, to help support my efforts to not offend. 
Right, and right. And you would provide that service as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. Um, but if they had offended, then or if they reveal they've offended, then you'd have to transfer them to a right. certified person. And I want to back up a second, because when you said if someone is looking for help and not offending, I think depending on how close they are to that line, I might ref- I might refer them to a certified sex offender who may have more specific tools um, about continuing to not offend. Like if they're working with someone who has offended, they may have in that in the training and working with that population, they may have more experience in this is, a, you know, we're going to talk about this one um, CBT, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy intervention or something like that. So they may have more specific training in um, specific to keeping people from offending. So so I guess that, I don't know if that makes sense. Totally, but question. wouldn't you also be developing those? Uh, yes, we're so we're working with uh, behavior modification. Um, we're working with motivational interviewing and harm reduction as methods to kind of uh, help address those impulses and those instincts and kind of minimize them and help look at other coping strategies to help people with that. So just to get crude about this a little bit, (laughs) uh, because for I'm just as we're talking about this, I'm just like, well, when you get down to the nitty gritty on this, like what exactly is the lifestyle ongoing for someone who is, you know, say, only attracted to preschool children right there's and so and they have you know they have i just imagine there's a number of choices and i'm curious what you think or maybe you haven't really developed these yet as far as like what is the quality of life for that person or what does that look like specifically how they how they get their sexual needs met because it seems like there are uh, there's a there's two main roads to take one is is in terms of staying ethical and and non-harmful one road is just like you just completely become asexual you know you just you just you don't think about sex you don't masturbate obviously you don't have sex with kids you don't you don't get porn that has kids because that's harmful to kids you know and illegal um so you have that route where you're just like look i'm i'm abstinent and i'm i'm just i'm not going to think about sex for the rest of my life that is off the table the other road is a fantasy and masturbation without looking at child porn because that is illegal and harmful to the kids that were subjected to it. So again, the crude part about it is it's like they masturbate while they just think about things in their head while they know that they'll never act on those impulses or something. Well, this, this is an interesting question because um, this is really looking at what, are there so there are groups of pedophiles who have who are exclusively attracted to minors and there are people who have pedophilia but are also attracted to adults right so what we would try to do is look at is there um, a redirection can we redirect that person to um, being more attracted to adults or somehow trying to um, spend more time in that direction or engaging with that more um, I think it's hard to really answer the question of like what do we encourage them to fantasize about or not fantasize about I, I think this this the best option would be to say what you know to try to minimize that because if that is what the fan if they're using that fantasy um, that is continuing that um, attraction and kind of like continuing that loop of um, I'm trying to think of how to describe that. Well, in it might their, in, re- reinforce the connection between sexual gratification and children, right. and make them perhaps more susceptible to behavior in that direction. Right. Where I think the other thing to say is we're not 
the 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 kind of ideal outcome is not that they become a totally normal person that doesn't have this. I don't think that's realistic, but to have the best life they can based on who they are as a person and like, what can we, how can we help them get to the best kind of possible life for them? Interesting. So where can people find you on the internet if they wanted more information? ModernTherapySeattle.com. ModernTherapySeattle.com. Eastlake in Seattle. Overlooking Lake, can you see Lake Union from your office? Not from my. I, I look out on a lot of very nice trees. Oh, okay. uh, I am not on the side of the building that looks on Lake Union, but other people can see Lake Union from my building. Oh, okay, yeah. And at your office, you have four or five, four employees, four yeah, four employees, uh, other therapists, mm-hmm. um, and you are a sex positive yes uh, center for adults and couples mm-hmm. do you treat teenagers at all we do treat some teenagers we yeah. don't uh, end up seeing people much younger than teenagers we don't work with a lot of kids so people who are into kink or polyamory or quote-unquote open relationships mm-hmm. and now people who are minor attracted who have not offended and yes. looking for a therapist for whatever reason right right and right. it's okay for them to to admit that to the to the therapist yes. which i have to say puts you in a category you that's extremely unique. I mean, I would guess that uh, just <laughs> just a guess off my the top of my head there's probably you know there's probably 50 therapists in the world who advertise themselves <laughs> as such, you know what I mean? Well, the, if they're out there, they need help. And, you know, that's I'm, I'm really interested in working with stigmatized or marginalized groups. Yeah. And um, to me, I think everyone deserves support. Well, it's really interesting to once you really make the paradigm shift into sex positivity, how many things start to crumble in terms of our societal notions. Right. Right. And and that happened to me when I had Alina Gabosh. Oh, yeah. On the Love podcast, her. like right when we first started the the podcast yeah. in, in, in 08 and she came out to talk about sex positivity and the, and the center and, yeah. and everything. And then she invited us out to the center and that was fast. Oh yeah. You went. Yeah. Great. That yeah. is so, that is really cool. Yeah. It was unforgettable <laughs> and it was, um, the hottest day on record in <gasps> Seattle and they didn't have any AC in the building. Oh my and, God. But like people were getting naked anyway, so it didn't really matter. Uh, uh, but I went in, you know, completely head to foot clothed, you know what I mean? And just like, was, hopefully not fleece. I was so hot, you know, but anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah. And I, when I talked with her, I, I, and you can actually, when I, I've gone back and listened to that episode and you can hear in my questions that my paradigm hadn't shifted yet. You wow. Know? I still had, you know, those, those, um, notions around, that that people typically have, you know, whenever you talk about polyamory, I'm guessing you you have a certain uh, set of reactions that you see almost every single time. You know, people it's like, well, how does that work? And isn't it just for people who want to cheat on their partner and want to get away with it? And and you know, you know, how do you deal with, like jealousy and people? You know, people were born to be with one person, and you know, there's just this there's yeah. this innate sense of monogamy that we have who's just been beaten into us Mm -hmm. uh, from day one and to have someone come forward and say like you know what i 
I have three husbands, and they all know each other, and and some of my husbands have have four you know romantic partners, and we all talk to each other. You know, it's just the and but I, so I made that shift back then, and once you do that, things like this follow, which is like, well, oh, yeah. wh- what about someone who's attracted to children and they're trying not to? And you just like, well, logically speaking, we should be taught, we should be breaking down those barriers so that they can come forward and, and talk about well, it. Well, right. And especially because at the end of the day, what we're talking about is protecting children. Right. Like that's what's, I mean, we're talking about supporting adults who have this issue, but we're also uh, preventing abuse against children. And to me, that is the most important thing to be, it's such, it's such a um, higher calling. It's, yeah. it's kind of amazing. Right. It. I mean, just just think about it, people. Like, imagine if we completely just could snap our fingers and change everyone into Kate Stewart and and, and with that attitude. Wow! And and suddenly there's no stigma. People can admit it at the bank. They could be like, "And by the way, I'm 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 a pedophile, but I've never offended." And, right? It's like, oh, by the way, I have psoriasis. Yeah, yeah like no big deal. Yeah. I mean, that would be really incredible to think about what that would be like. Right? And and what that would mean to helping these people to not offend. Let, right. Let's let them in to society. Yeah. Let's let them talk about it. Let's let, let's give them help. Let's give them support. Let's, let's build up their lives so that they're strong enough to be able to manage this. Cause, cause yeah. many of them do want to manage it, you know? Yeah. So instead of what we're doing, which is like the direct opposite of that, and honestly, I can't imagine this changing anytime soon. Things are changing, I think. Things are shifting, but I'm just so pessimistic about society when it comes to stuff like this. Having said that, I never would have thought in my lifetime, let alone in this past you know number of years, that we would see so much movement for gay rights and for trans rights. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're, we still have a long ways to go, obviously, but the strides that we've made i've just i've just been whoa like i did not see that coming so maybe this will be another thing that'll happen too i don't know well it's kind of interesting because in doing research um i i found a lot of articles and i would even print you know i've got this one article in front of me and looking at the footnotes there is article after article of research of people talking about what is this orientation what where is is there a biological component like how can we help these people so someone is out there talking about it it's not maybe going to be next year suddenly everyone's going to be like hey Let's have a community center for these folks, but there is there is a subtle shift. Mm-hmm. The iceberg is moving, right? And there's a a growing number of researchers and clinicians that I've seen, such as yourself, who are looking at this very in a very sober manner, you mm-hmm. know, in a in a very clinical, uh, critical of society way. It's just like, well, let's you know, let's look at this. Let's not be afraid of it, and and. Um, so it's sort of like when marijuana became legal, suddenly now we're like, well, now we can use it for research and we can see if it's actually, you know, what it can actually do for right. people. And they're starting to discover things left and right. You know, like I just read an article that 14% of elderly people who went off their antidepressants and went on, or no, off of opioids for pain and went on uh, marijuana had a, a total, you know, the same a level of reduction from pain from opioids. Wow. And so, yeah, and we couldn't have done that research in the past. And it's like mind blowing. It's like, whoa. So, you know, when you get someone with pain coming in, one of the things that you could prescribe 
is is a form of marijuana, and that can actually help them, and you can avoid the side effects that that opioids uh, create, and and it's like you know, boom, 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 research after research, and similar with this, it's just like it just seems like there's a lot of really fast movement because suddenly clinicians are. Uh, or at least a, a critical mass of them are actually coming forward and actually commenting and researching it, which, it, you know, it's it's always been around, but, you know, it, it, we've just been ignoring it for Yeah, years. and we've been pushing it into a closet and pretending it's not there or those people are horrible people and so we shouldn't even right. look at them. And I think that's what we have to realize is the opposite of where we're at now isn't fully embracing child abuse. No. It is, it, you know, like we don't have to – I'm sorry – that is that is on an end of the spectrum, but where we can be is in the middle, which is saying this thing happens. These people are out there. We can catch them um, potentially before they offend, right. and we can help them lead better lives. Right. And the same goes for any harmful behavior. It's it just like instead of pushing them away, how about we let them in and help them not not to do it or do it again or something? It right. just it's, It just stands to reason. Is there anything else you want to share before we adjourn here? Well, there's so many things I could I could add, but I think that covers most of it. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us, Kate. And again, moderntherapyseattle.com if you are looking for a therapist or more information uh, for any sex positive thing yes. or, or really any – any you, you, you treat people for, for various yes. different – all and the normal therapy issues Anything as well. relation, relationship, sex, and dating and other – whatever else people need to talk about in yeah. therapy as well. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me, Kate. <laughs> Thank you, Kirk. Thank you, everyone out there, for joining us. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. Uh-huh.